Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board gaming. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 24, Liberté, Egalité, Fraternité. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Three weeks since the last show. It's a little better than I thought. For some reason, I, was, I thought it was four weeks ago when I published the last one, but apparently not. That's good because a lot has gone on here in the last few weeks. It feels like a lifetime. Unfortunately, about a week and a half ago, we realized that we had mold problem in our basement. We've had a lot of rain this year. Rain got into our basement and then from there into the garage. And I had some games stored in the garage as well as a bunch of other stuff we kept. Long story short, we threw away a lot of things that some had mold, some might have mold, some were not worth the effort of trying to clean anyway. And out went a bunch of games, probably about 40 or 50. Unfortunately, a few of them actually were in bad condition. Some, like I said, just not worth cleaning up. You know, So I've been dealing with that for the, the last couple of weeks. We had a service come by, clean the garage and the basement for us and treat it. And we've got a storage unit now where we're putting some of the stuff that we did save. And I still got more cleaning to do down there. So that has kept me from doing much else lately. I think that means I'm not going to have a, a a middle segment in the show where I talk about some random something or other. But I do have news. So first off, the Solitaire Print and Play Design Contest for 2012 has officially ended. I mentioned the contest a few months ago when it first started and I sort of forgot to talk about it again. I have been following it on and off. But it is now officially over. The results are in and the winners have been announced. Let me go ahead and mention the the winners in each category, and then you could go see who won first, second, and third place in each. Best artwork for an entered game was Until Dawn. The best horror, zombie, or monster-themed game, Until Dawn. Best sci-fi fantasy-themed game, Shadows Upon Lassiter, The Siege of Downish. Best small game, Oh My Lair. The best large game... Wings of Lightning, the best traditional card, tarot, or deck tech game, Operator, best paragraph game, Wings of Lightning, best war game, Advanced Guard 1914, the best artwork for an existing game, Utopia Redesign, and the best overall game, Shadows Upon Lassiter, The Siege at Downish. Congratulations to all the winners and really to anybody that had the opportunity to, to participate. I will, Like I said, I will post a link to the, the thread where the results are in. Check it out. There's a lot of games mentioned. You know, Obviously, they've all done well, so they're probably all really worth looking at. Next, uh, Flashpoint Fire Rescue is now available in 90 different Target stores. The Kickstarter expansions are going to be shipping soon. That means... As early as this month for for people that ordered it with a, a rush delivery, and maybe in six or so weeks for everybody else. The the game, the Battle of Red Cliffs, which was on Kickstarter and is a TZQ variant. I, I had mentioned that one, uh, I think, a couple months ago. The Kickstarter project, the original Kickstarter project, had failed, so he started a new one. No, let me step back. The first project didn't fail. He ended it to restart it as a 15-day project with a shorter financial goal and something went wrong. 
but it didn't meet that second project didn't meet the goal, so he started a third project, and the third one finally funded, and that just ended like a week ago. So I, I don't know how soon the games will be ready, but that's pretty neat. And that, I mentioned before that's a a mahjong variant that supports cooperative play for one to nine players. The Fragor Brothers game for 2012. They announced it recently. They they sell the game each their game each year at Essen, and each year they publish a new game. It's a very limited print run. Apparently, each year it's about a thousand games, give or take. This year's game is called Spellbound, and it's a one to four player cooperative deck builder. If you're interested in getting a copy, you could go ahead and pre-order it to to pick up at Essen to have it shipped to you. Okay, another piece of news. Just tonight, I saw on BGG that. The game Don Quixote is going to be available on Android and is just beta testing right now. It's an official, it's an official app. It's going to include include the expansion and another expansion that hasn't been released. It's a, as I said, it's available for beta test. So if you're interested and you have an Android phone, go on to the BGG thread, which I'll include the link for, and sign up for beta. And finally, a few months ago, I talked about the uh, Nemo about Nemo's War, and I had mentioned there was a redesign for it on BGG, which I said it looked really good, but I wasn't so sure about how well it played. I got some feedback from the person that designed the redesign, and uh, he mentions that it does play pretty well, and all the the numbers and the tracks are spaced out for the counter, so it shouldn't be a problem. So again, if if you have uh, Nemo's War, you might want to check out the redesign. I also noticed that the uh, the user has a blog called Lonely Meeple, in which he reviews solitaire games and iPhone games and stuff like that. So I include a link to that. There's a few interesting articles on uh, victory, some victory point games and a few other things. Oh, one more piece of news, not necessarily solitaire specific at all, but pretty interesting. Victory point games just announced that they're starting to sell little mini expansion kits, or not expansion kits, but little mini gaming kits, which includes six of the little tiny, I think, four millimeter dice or five millimeter dice. Little itty bitty, smaller than a fingernail. They come in a dice bag, which is huge compared to the dice, and it has a dice tower for those little tiny dice. They have like six different uh, designs on the dice towers. So check out their website and, you know, they're, I think, about 750 each package. I think the dice towers are made out of the same cardstock that the new counters are, and that's definitely pretty thick and pretty durable, especially if it's a, it's a dice tray for little tiny dice that you're going to have to be careful with anyway. Next up, I was going to talk about what solitaire games I've been playing lately. I looked on BGG, and in the last 30 days or so, other than the games I'm reviewing, I've only played a couple games of The Lord of the Rings, the card game, and a game of Friday. So unfortunately, not much there. However, I do have another thing to talk about, and that is a contest. I'm going to have another contest, and this time I actually have the prize in hand. So if you win, you'll actually see this soon. Here, listen. What I am giving away is Struggle for the Galactic Empire by Joseph Miranda, by Joe Miranda, published by Decision Games. It's a relatively big sci-fi war game where you're playing a collapsing old empire or something like that. And it's a one-player game, only one player. It's two to four hours. Complexity is medium, solitaire suitability high. So to enter this contest, all you have to do is 
go to the one player guild on BGG. I'm going to post a, a thread there. Look, well, before you do that, or maybe after you get to the thread, go look at my collection of board games that I have. Find one that is solitaire friendly that you'd like to hear more about. And then post the name of that game. Bless you, dog. And then post the name of that game on a thread I'm going to start for the contest. I will randomly pick somebody. Bless you. You okay? Okay, sorry. I'm... <laughs> Blitzen. Okay. I'm going to randomly pick a winner from anybody that posts in that thread. That person will get a copy of the game. And I will talk about that game. Maybe the next show, maybe not, depending on, you know, have I ever played it before and on that sort of thing. So that's it. The deadline is by the time I post the next show. I'm not sure when that is exactly, but when the contest ends, I will announce the winner on that thread too. So if there's a winner already announced, don't post uh, an entry. Okay, on to today's game. So today's game is Leve and Mas, The Wars of the French Revolution, 1789 to 1802. It is a State of Siege Games, published by Victory Point Games. The designer is John Welch. So I've talked about the State of Siege Games before, or the States of Siege Games before. In the game, in this game, you basically play a static military in that's in the center of the board, and you're defending against armies advancing towards you, each army advancing on a linear track. There's currently about 10 or 12 of these games. They're all very similar and share common themes like the fact that you're in the center and the the armies are moving towards you and you don't ever move. Because as a matter of fact, you don't usually have a counter for yourself in these games. I, don't, I haven't come across one that does have a, a counter representing your force. No, that's not true. There is at least one that does. I don't remember the name right now. But you have six or eight counters for armies on your side. So anyway, that's the thing. All these games are kind of different. So this is a pretty good representative game. A lot of the mechanics in it you'll find are common to many of the games. It's probably about medium complexity as far as the States of Siege game goes. And also I really enjoy this one a lot. So this is an older game which means it does not have Victory Point Games gold banner printing quality yet. The game is also currently available in French and on the iPhone and some point soon hopefully it'll be available on Android so when you get the game what you get is a little envelope oh yeah also it's going to be available through GMT in the States of Siege package you're publishing which has three games in it the the it's currently in the GMT P500 list and it, the game is called Revolt and Revolution Live and Mass is one of the games it also has Soviet Dawn and another game called Cruel Necessity, the English Civil War 1640 to 1653. That one has not been published by Victory Point Games. The other two have. There are currently 569 pre-orders for this game, which means it has made the cut, but it still needs about another 200, almost 200 games before it'll get printed. So when you so when you get the game, as I said, it comes the Victory Points. The Victory Point Games edition comes in a, an envelope, a plastic bag. It's about 5.5 by 8.5, basically a sheet of paper folded in half. Inside there's a front and back cover. All this is full color. I've mentioned before, their quality historically has not been very high, so the paper feels thin and cheap. The counter is sometimes a little bit hard to deal with. The cards can be hard to sort. 
most of that doesn't matter. Maybe the the sorting the cards is probably the only thing that's really an issue with this game. The rest is you'll see doesn't matter much. So you get a a sheet of paper for the front and as back for so you get a sheet of paper as the front cover, now there's a back cover. A little flyer. It's got a rule book that is eight pages long. Not many counters at all. It's like I think twenty counters total. Twelve square counters and five round markers. So yeah, seventeen 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 counters total, which is a very small number. You have a board which is eleven by seventeen and then a flyer advertising some of the other games that Victory Point Games publishes. So this game, as I said, is well, I didn't specifically say it, but it should be obvious by now, it is about the French Revolution. In it, you're playing the French Republic. And you're being attacked by five armies. The Vendee, the Piedmont, the British, the Austrians, and the Prussians. And there's five separate tracks. There's, the board is a map, and then there's five tracks, one per army, and they sort of go away from Paris, you know, towards their wherever their source is from. And, and more or less, I don't know how accurate it follows battles and all that. I get the impression it does because the different spaces for each track are labeled with a, a name of a city or a location. But that, that, uh, that part of the map is the main section of the board. When you play, you'll place one army counter on each track in the outermost space. This is pretty standard for all the State of Siege games, though there are some variations. At least one game I've played, some of the counters start off the board, and you add them as you go along. And sometimes there's more than five spaces of track, and a few times there's less than five spaces. It just sort of depends on the individual games, but five is pretty standard. There's also a space for the deck of cards, Cards are very standard in the States of Siege game also. And these are very typical cards in that they are event cards that you draw that tell you which armies to move and other things that happen and how many actions you have to spend that turn, how many action points. This game also has a political track which has spaces for the monarchy, the despots, and the republic. And each space goes from negative one up to four. There's a total of six spaces for each of the three. You're playing the Republic, so you generally want that one to be high. I guess it's high influence, maybe. I'm not sure really what it represents exactly, but you want it to be high, and you'd like the others to be low. So the way you're going to play this game, each turn you're going to draw a card. It's going to tell you which armies to advance on the track. Well, actually, let me step back. So when you're going to play the game, you're going to set up the counters for each attacking army on the board on its five space. You can set up the three uh, political markers on the board. The monarchy goes at the top space, the other two go at the bottom. You're going to shuffle the cards. There's three color cards. There's a white deck, a red deck, and a blue deck. You start with the blue deck. Shuffle up all the cards, upset the first and last, which stay in that order. And then you start drawing cards. When you draw a card, they, they each have a few things. They have a, a title, which kind of gives you an idea about what's going on. And it has a description at the bottom about the event that the title's talking about. The, then all the other information on the card, which is what you do in the game, tie into this flavor text. You don't need to read the flavor text at all, but I, I found that if you read it as you're playing, it makes it a, a little more exciting. 
and more interesting and more educational. Also, you could play the cards in numerical order. Each card is numbered. And if you do that, that's representing the historical... That's uh, representing the way things worked out historically. You could choose to shuffle the cards, as I said, keeping the first and the last in their spots, and shuffle everything in the middle to mix up the game a little bit. And I guess you would do that once you've gotten used to it a little more. So each turn you're going to draw one card. It's going to tell you which armies advance. Some cases retreat. Sometimes you flip over the Prussian saying... You flip over the Prussian counter t representing the fact that it cannot advance again until it's flipped back. So you'll, you'll advance some number of countries, one space. Then there's a political section which tells you which political markers to advance or retreat on their track. And then there's a social section which generally tells you how many action points you have. It, sometimes it also tells you there's disorder in Paris, a, a journée. And um, what that means is you put the disorder in Paris counter on the board in on Paris. If that counter's still there at the end of the turn, your republic marker is going to go down on that political track one space. So that's the event card. The military, the political, and social actions are in there. The actions you take are then either things like I think there's about four actions. You could fight an army on the board. You basically roll the die, and each marker has a number on it, either three or four, depending on which army it is. If you roll higher than that number, the army retreats one space towards five. If the army's already on five, then you're not, there's no point in attacking. Actually, I don't think you probably can attack. Instead, you could do one of the other actions, which include things like moving a marker in the political track, you pick one of the three markers, the monarchy, despotism, or the republic, roll the die, and if it's higher than the number on the space it's at, you could either retreat the the, the monarchy or the despotism marker or advance your republic marker. Now, there's two reasons why you well, there's a few reasons why you want to do this. One is because if the republic is higher than the other two markers, you get a plus one for any combat roll you do. Another reason is that if your marker is above the other two and on either the four or the five space, or not the four or five, or either the last two spaces, then when you go remove that uh, disorder in Paris marker off the board, you get to do it for, you get a, you gotta spend an action point, but you don't have to roll to see if it succeeds or fails. If you're not in the lead or not on the four and five space, politically, then you'd have to roll to see if that succeeds. That's the third action. If, there, if there's a disorder in Paris marker, and you can take it off. You either have to roll the dice, roll higher than the marker, which is a, a value 2, so you got to roll 3 to 6. Or if you're up in the political track, then you can just remove it and spend your action point to do that. The fourth and I think final action you could do is place a... A liberation army marker on the board. You put those on the tracks of the foreign armies, somewhere between Paris and the foreign army. And whenever the foreign armies are advancing, if that marker's in that space, you got to roll first to see if they're allowed to advance or not. Basically, you have a defending force somewhere out in the field that is slowing down the enemy. At the end of your turn, if that foreign army is on that space, or even say lower that that space, so I'm not sure that's possible. Then you remove that marker off the board. 
that you get to you got to remove that liberation mark off the board or that army mark off the board. So you basically have until the end of your turn to push that army back. Either you get to push it back for free by rolling that, or you got to spend some of your actions to push it back. And finally, the last thing in the turn is basically some housekeeping. Are there any armies in Paris? Yes, you just lost the game. No, keep going to the next turn. But before you do that, you you want to see if there's a disorder in Paris. If there is, reduce your Republic counter by one. That's basically how the game works. Once you've gone through that blue deck of cards doing this, you will then get the white deck out, shuffle all the cards, and again put the, the first white card on top and the last white card in the bottom, shuffle the ones in the middle, and play through the white deck. Once you've done that, then play through the red deck. And once you've played through all three decks, the game is over. If you're still alive, you tally up your points and see how you scored. One of the last games I played, I got a negative 10 score, and that was actually a victory. A minor, minor victory, but still a victory. So it's a, a pretty cruel scoring game here. The, the way the scoring works is you get points for where you are on the political track and lose points for where the monarchy and the despots are on the political trap track. You also lose points depending on where the armies are on their tracks or possibly gain points if you have liberation markers on the track. And there's a few other things that cause you to, to lose points or maybe even gain points. But you add all that up and check out your final score. It's neat. Once you get your score, you then... Uh, look at the rule book to see the condition and it kind of tells you if you got let's say less than negative 26 it's a substantial defeat and then it kind of goes on to describe politically what it would have happened in France um, for example I said it had a, a negative 10 that was a minor victory um, this is a minor victory for the republicanism oh, I'm sorry this is a minor victory for republicanism as chaos still abounds and strong leaders still agitate from the restless masses. Still agitate among the restless masses. Great problems remain unresolved and unless the current leadership of the nation can successfully confront them, the benefits of the revolution could for be forever lost. And then it says in italics, this is the historical outcome of the French Revolution. See the historical scoring example that follows. So that's interesting. So it kind of shows you different possible outcomes that could have happened and then let you compare it against what really happened. So I've said I really like this game. It's very, it's pretty simple game. You know, as you saw the actions are draw a card, advance some markers back and forth, and then choose from one of four actions a number of times depending on how many points you have. And you keep doing that and repeating. Like all states of siege games, it tends to be a bit chaotic and a bit random because there's a lot of die rolling and the, the shuffling of the cards affects in what order things might end up happening. However, I think it feels like you have control in it. For one, when, you, when you're spending your action points, you can decide whether you want to go ahead and fight the armies to force them to retreat and stay away from Paris or spend it on the political track. I like spending points on my political track to make sure that I'm getting the Republic stronger than the other the other two uh, entities because that'll give me a, a modifier for all the combats I do have also as you play through the game each deck seems to change a little bit the first deck the Republic is doing pretty well the second I think favors uh, Napoleon the despotism and I don't remember what the third deck favors but it's not you that's for sure 
So, so as you're playing the game, you want to manage that political track to help you in the combat. You're also trying to decide, do, do you really want to keep the armies out of Paris, or do you want to let them get into Paris? One thing I didn't mention before was, if an army reaches Paris, when you're rolling to push it out and fight, the first roll doesn't cost you an action point. The first roll per army. So if there's three armies in Paris, you're going to get one roll for each to see if you can push them back a space, and then spend your action points after that. And the way the rules are worded, it's the first roll for each army that's free. So in theory, you could spend a, a point, or you could spend an action to move your Republic marker forward, or to attempt to move your Republic marker forward, such that it ends up giving you a plus one bonus, and then you could start doing your combat. And I've done that sort of thing once in a while. So one of the benefits about doing this free action is that you, well, you are getting free actions. You end up getting to, to push the armies back, and still have actions for uh, action points for other things. The problem is if it fails, you're out of luck. For example, the last game I played, I, I felt I was doing pretty well, and then the Austrian army reached Paris. I took my free roll and failed. They were still in Paris. I had three action points. I rolled a one each time. After that, there was nothing I could do. I had lost the game. You know, so I had to get a. a th basically, I had to roll a four or higher to to push them out, and on three rolls I wasn't able to make that. So you, en you, know, you end up taking a chance when you're doing that, but you're, it's giving you more actions, which lets you do a lot more things. There's also some some of the cards as you draw them, they tell you you have a, for that turn you have a plus one to any political rolls, or a minus one to political rolls, or sometimes you get bonuses for combat, or, or penalties for combat. So you end up deciding, well, yeah, I'm going to let the armies advance this turn and just not worry about it, because my combat rolls are going to be really weak. I'm going to go ahead and spend all my time manipulating the political track. Or vice versa. So as I'm playing, I feel like it's a choice I'm making whether I'm taking the benefit of that counter or not, or of that bonus or not. The game probably plays something like about 20 to 30 minutes. I haven't really timed myself playing. But it is pretty quick, especially once you get the hang of it. it you know, There's not a lot to each card. And there aren't tons of choices to make, so it really isn't all that hard. I started talking about the similarities between this and other States of Siege games. The, the one thing that I think is common to a lot of the games, the, the cards you draw, event cards, they tell you which armies you move, and how many action points you have. That's very typical. The five enemy armies, that number, armies, that number is very typical also. I think the political track is unique to this game, but the other states of siege games, some of them do have other other tracks like that or other systems that interact with the main movement of the armies attacking you, and they all affect the game in different ways. I think the most basic games just have the track, the tracks for moving the army towards the the place being besieged. And some of the more complicated games have other things like I think soon I will go ahead and talk about the um, the game Empires in America, which is a little bit different. And the cards you're drawing are not event cards; they're cards that you take in your hand or put in front of you because they're going to be enemy cards. And sometimes they're leaders. So as you play leaders, the number of leaders you have impacts well the number of leaders and their quality impacts how many action points you get on a turn. So that's a, that's a bit different than most other States of Siege games. So yeah, so 
that's Leve and Mass. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this. At some point soon, I'm going to go ahead and talk about another game, a simpler one, and then a more complex one, so you can kind of get a feel for the, the range of States of Siege games. Okay, thanks for listening, and don't forget to enter the contest. Well, that's the end of today's episode. If you would like to contact me, you can find me as Fractaloon on BoardGameGeek, or you can email me at oneplayeralbert at gmail.com. The intro music is copyright Angus and is protected by a Creative Commons license. The song and copyright information can be found at gemendo.com. The show is published in a Creative Commons, non-commercial, share-alike license. Thanks for listening.